You're listening to the Friends Talking Nerdy Podcast Network. Friends Talking Nerdy! I saw this trick where if you put your straw in the, ar- in the armpit, it makes this sound. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Friends Talking Nerdy. This is Tim Jasma, and joining me all the way in Portland, Maine, we have here, Holiness, the Reverend Tracy. How you doing? I'm I'm doing really great, Tim. I actually get to start this episode with some truly exciting news, something that I don't get to talk about all the time because it's a seasonal thing, but I am officially hired once again to be the casting director for Fearlandia Haunted House in Portland, Oregon. So that means I will get to pack up and come to Oregon once again for a five-week deployment to make people pee themselves for money. So that'll be exciting. Um, <laughs> that being said, um, we're hiring. So much like last year, whenever I mentioned it, I want to throw it out there for any of our listeners that live in the Portland, Oregon area that are interested in also being paid to make people pee themselves. I am accepting applications and I actually got a little nerdy about it and went on and made it a legit Google form. So we have an actual application to fill out and we will go ahead and share that in the show notes here for anybody interested. But it's our seventh year. It's going to be so exciting. So we're already, we've got our little planning chat going back and forth on fire. Just uh, really excited about getting to come back as a standalone this year. We're not co-haunting like last year. So this is pure Fearlandia madness. So it'll be that production and quality level throughout. And we're super stoked. We're actually going to be right next to a spirit Halloween so I'm hoping that's actually going to bring in both applicants and patrons alike. And then what's great is if anybody has costume problems, I'd be like, cool, go next door. Bring me the receipt. Thank you. Like- <laughs> yeah, that would definitely uh, be quite easy. And for, uh, yeah, as the Reverend mentioned, uh, this information is going to be in the show description. Um, as someone who has been a customer uh, at Fearlandia, I, I can tell you um, it was one hell of a great experience. I mean, if you go back in our archives, uh, I, we did an audio review of what it was like, even had a few minutes of um, what the um, of, of the people at Fearlandia like screaming at us when we were walking through the maze um, <laughs> last year. So that was fun. But yeah, if you definitely have some time, um, you know, one, go to Fearlandia as a customer. But if, if you want to go that extra step, Fill out that application. Have some fun because you know it's it, you don't know when the the littlest introductions could lead to bigger things. And when it comes to the arts, when it comes to creativity, uh, when it comes to acting, just having little, just knowing people is is key to your success. And what a way to what a way to start. Oh, exactly. And I do offer to be a reference for anybody who who acts under us with me um, with Fearlandia. It's I it's professional. There's even some that have moved on to other haunts because they moved a little bit further away and it made sense. So, yeah, um, it's a good time. Maybe what I should do is maybe find that my favorite clip of one of the patrons from last year, just getting the epic shit scared out of them. And that can help. Like, would you like to do this to people and make money apply here? (laughs) 
Well, we can even do a commercial for the show too, because what was that? Uh, what was because we had the audio on the show last year as well. The you know, be quiet, Amber, or or oh, what, was that what the fuck, stream? Amber? That's the one that I was thinking about. Was what the fuck, Amber? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Maybe we'll start the show with it or something. I mean, granted, if you're listening to this, you you know if we started the show with it, but uh... <laughs> no. if not this week, next week, or something like maybe, that, maybe. But... Indeed. But uh, yeah, so what's been going on with you this week apart from Fairlandia? Oh, gosh. So I know I messaged you about this just awesome display of humanity that I guess um, made the New York Post just a few days ago, August 3rd. It's the 9th now that we're recording. We record on Tuesdays. So um, I I had to share this just to kind of process it out loud and, and maybe just go through my mind how I think this would actually play out and why I think it's a totally useless waste of energy and just incredibly immature. Um, but I guess what it says is the headline is woman, quote, genius, end quote, <laughs> woman's genius way to get back at X after he starts dating someone new. And it's got a picture of this person um obviously female person i think she's a she she's amber heard but not the amber heard that you're thinking of this is just some other person that happens to have an important name which you know probably is why they maybe think that they're important um but yah heard 1313 posted some little selfie video with just the caption Next time a guy asks for your number, give him your ex's and tell him your name is your ex's new girlfriend's name. Start fights, not relationships. Stay toxic with the little peace sign thrown up. And I just have to say, like, I know I've talked on here before about like our dating culture and especially that around ex hate. Um, And that's even something that I think we've talked a little bit more maybe in the reviews where we've seen like breakups happen when we're talking about in a show, right? Like how it's kind of like normalized that you hate somebody just because something didn't work out. And it's just amazing to me and kind of makes my heart incredibly sad that this idea got popular enough for somebody to say that it's a genius idea. And that it got viral enough to make an article out of it. So, and then you go on there and you do see like, oh my God, I'm so doing this. Oh my God, I'm doing this next time. But it's just really funny to me. It just makes me go, I think you meant stay single or stay shitty. Like one of those two things might be true because that's just kind of garbage behavior. I mean, it's the emotional equivalent of for a good time, call this number like in a bathroom stall. Oh boy. Like really? I mean, how is it really any different? And then to me, the funny thing is, like, how do you think that's honestly going to play out, Tim? Like, right. Think about it. We've got two dudes that will probably figure out they're talking to another dude. So this is where I got mentally amused by this person. And what's most likely that's, that to me would happen is these two guys are going to figure out real quick that this I'll say it. I'm sorry. She's a bitch. She seems kind of proud of this persona. So this bitch gave away somebody else's phone number and tried to like start some crap. And so really I could just see it turning into two dudes talking about this kind of bitchy woman and like probably the ex going, Oh yeah, you dodged a bullet. You know what I mean? Like, so I'm not even sure what you would expect this to pay out as like, I don't know. I guess it comes off so cool and sassy, especially when you throw peace signs and say stay toxic or stay anything, right? Stay, insert blank, with a peace sign is cool AF. 
And so I, I don't know. It's funny. I've thought about finally like breaking my TikTok virginity and possibly like responding to this. But it just goes to show like there are different depths of the dating pool. Um, there is a very shallow end where children splash and are obnoxious and maybe do shitty things. And then there's the deep end where the adults and the emotional mature people are. I'm just going to stay over in the deep end. I just kind of hope that people who believe these things, that believe that X-hate is just something that's totally cool to do, could just somehow put it on their dating profiles and save so many people the grief of having to date somebody with that mindset. Yeah, I mean, I... In a perfect world, I guess, I hope this woman was just making a joke here. Um, like, I, you know, for one, like, myself, I've been in the short end of the pool plenty of times, you know, <laughs> you know, going to your analogy. So I, I get the urge to be petty, you know, uh, like that. But, you know, to your end, yeah, what does it ultimately solve? It's one right. of those things to where when you when you do something petty like that and you act like a jackass, you get a temporary little burst of chemicals in your head. But then, like, at the end of the day, at the end of the month or whatever, you're like, what the fuck did I really just win? Nothing. Exactly. It's not satisfying. It's it's about as long lasting as, you know, those same serotonin, oxytocin, those things can be increased when you get likes. Even when you get responses to a shitty comment and somebody picks a fight back with you, like you still get those things. It's just very short lived. But I just figure, you know, at, at best... She's not actually done this, but this has been shared and viewed more than 800,000 times, I think, at this I've point, the it. article. Yeah, and now I have. And so either she's lying and is just trying to look really cool and making people think that this is a good idea, or she's actually doing this behavior and supporting other people doing the behavior, which is also not good. It's also possible, too, that maybe she could be making fun of uh, some other TikTokers out there. Now, there are some TikTokers that um, that are women that are like relationship experts that are coming that, you know, make videos in, in terms of coming out and saying, you know, like maybe not all men are evil and all that stuff, you know, and but um, but you were shaking your head there. So it sounds oh, like I've just I've kind of scanned some of her content. I don't think this is a being a smart ass. I don't think this is making a larger point. I think this is There's kind of the same attitude that got a lot of people believing that revenge porn was okay. Now, I will say that is a huge jump from this activity, but you are still doing something to an ex that ultimately you're only upset because they didn't work out with you. Again, I'm, I'm going off of an assumption here because she doesn't say. She doesn't say mm -hmm. if he deserved this. Just he's dating somebody new. And then I think it's funny. Like not only is she treating an ex-partner like absolute crap with the assumption that he didn't do anything terrible. Uh, she's also punishing some dude for the crime of being interested in her. Right? Like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry somebody wanted your fucking phone number. Like, please, by all means, stay single. Stay single. You can be as toxic to yourself all you want, but you keep that shit to yourself. Stay single. Yeah, because like the guy asking for the number, I mean, there are assholes out there who ask for a number that, you know, like women don't want to give their number to. I, I get that. But if, if we're talking about a guy that was just generally interested and then this happens, yeah, that's that is not cool at all. And you know, that that yeah. makes people like me a little bit more 
resolute to not continue the whole dating process you know? oh yes i'm very much fine uh yeah because see what's nice is when you choose to be friends with people you can just see if they have these garbage shitbag behaviors and ideas and beliefs and just okay well we're gonna only ever be friends um i i don't want to date that like absolutely not like hell oh. no <laughs> Yeah, just a little bit of a mess. (laughs) But anywho, just kind of an interesting thing that came across, because I know we've talked about, you know, some of the toxic shit in our dating culture. So, I mean, she at least called it what it is. It is toxic as shit to be that way and to think that way. But to have, like, the pride behind it to go and almost encourage other people to get behind you, which is also like a self-validation technique. We've talked about that. But a lot of times when somebody is really on you, to change your mind. It's really about validating what they're doing. So over 800,000 people have validated her doing this, if that's what she's done. But anyway, just, I guess, sure, give her another view. Let her happy chemicals kick off for a second. She'll be done in like a month probably. But yeah, it's 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 interesting. But I don't know. The, the reverend advises, maybe don't be a shit bag to people. Like maybe if you've broken up, just do your best to separate and move on. And, like, even if they are a shitty person, like, it's not your job to punish them. You can just move on with your life because that is the best revenge you can have for a shitty ex is to not obsess about them and to not, like, focus on revenge. Actually, focus on revenge is a trauma response anyway, so you should totally work on that. Yeah. I mean, if anything, what I would, what I would, you know, say to people based on my experiences, yeah, if you have a particularly traumatic breakup, by all means, go like connect with a therapist, connect with somebody to talk. Don't go through with, with, uh, these types of actions because these actions sound really like really good ideas when you're in the heat of the moment, when your brain is not thinking logically, when you're just hurt and want to hurt the person who hurt you. Exactly. Not a good idea. Just take a deep breath. Exactly. This is, I will go back to, this is the same attitude where people who otherwise maybe weren't shitty people justified revenge porn. Like, that wasn't that long ago. That was back in 2011. They actually just did um, a documentary on the most hated man in the internet. And so I, I watched that. There was some other elements to that that wasn't just revenge porn. But, uh-huh. um, yeah, like, I kind of got – and I remember that, too. Like, people thinking it's kind of your fault for having pictures like that. But, uh, but yeah, like, people really did justify and even went so far as, like, well, they shouldn't have sent me these photos anyway – and then still justified, like, torturing the person. I will, again, emphasize, I realize it's a big leap between these two actions, but the attitude, the spirit behind the attitude, that toxic urge is yeah. kind of the same. So if you're having those urges, you might want to address that within yourself so you don't go and do behavior that later you feel very guilty about doing. Indeed, indeed, because, like... Yeah, it, you gain nothing from being an asshole. You just don't. And, and and you know, like, I'm not throwing stones here for anybody that's listening. I'm not trying to pretend I've, I've always been perfect in all my relationships. But just trust me. Oh, yeah. Don't go down that route because it, it, may, it may be enticing. It may give you some chemical little bursts in your head that make you feel good temporarily. But you will gain nothing from it. It pays nothing long term. Indeed. So, yeah. I mean, before I find another way to go on about toxic <laughs> dating and, and toxic mentality and, and stuff like that, 
there's other exciting news out there that is, is exciting and fun to talk about and maybe even a little bit of laughing with glee is permitted with this one. I don't normally indulge in that, but this one I can. Yeah, and um, I actually talked about this on uh, the show's TikTok. Um, one Mr. Alex Jones has had quite a week in Texas. Um, you know, after his lawyers not participating in the discovery process of, of his trial. Um, what discovery is, that's uh, a point to where lawyers from both sides are able to say, give me all your documents. And then they have to within a certain time period. And if they don't, then uh, there's a default judgment. And that's what happened in the Texas case. There was a default judgment and um, Alex Jones ended up losing, but his lawyers, wow. Um, I was listening to a bit of a podcast last night called knowledge fight um which i've talked about on the show before um it's a show that kind of monitors alex jones and Infowars. but the host of the show actually um interviewed the prosecuting attorneys uh from that trial and um yeah they were able to uh just bring up just a number of the mistakes that happened like alex jones lawyers were criminal lawyers in a civil proceeding you know, it's like the, it, oh, so bad hiring was part of it, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if um, what options Alex Jones had because of who he is. I, I'm sure there may have been some lawyers that would not take the case no matter what. But, yeah, I mean, it's basically he hired an American mechanic to fix a foreign car. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. It's very different. Like even in some cases, like uh, how things can play out sometimes with divorce. If there was any situation other than just the divorce going on, you can end up with a lawyer who's not versed in family law, like trying to defend you in family court because that's the lawyer that you have. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, that's the situation he faced there. He uh, was hit with, I, be I believe, a $4 million um, uh, judgment against him and then a punitive damages of $45 million. But in Texas, there is a cap on punitive judgments. So in, in the grand scheme of things, uh, from the numbers I heard tossed about, in total, more than likely for the Texas case, He's probably going to have to pay about $8 million or, or something like that in total, which is not chump change, but theoretically would allow you know his thing to continue. But you have something to say. I just wanted to throw out there for anybody who's not well-versed in some of the legal mumbo-jumbo, punitive damages or basically punishment. That is when mm -hmm. they decide that there is an award that is <sighs> due to the victim – because of, of damage that you did. If it, it was something that I really wanted to look into because I had had like kind of um, issues with punitive damage in some cases, but this one kind of made sense the more that I looked into it because a lot of times your punitive damages don't necessarily outweigh, what is it, com com compens compensatory. Compens compensatory, thank you. I knew I was going to fuck that one up. But, you know, that's like for an injured victim, like if they had an injury for medical expenses, things that can actually be very quantified either you've destroyed something or they've had to pay something to fix something right so yeah. that's what's that word again uh compensatory compensatory i'm gonna get it right so compensatory versus punitive punitive is strictly punishment it's not a dollar for dollar it's not 
anything that can be quantified. Sometimes it could be like the loss of jobs sometimes because that can't always be quantified because you don't know how much you've lost. So if anybody was kind of struggling with the differences between those, that's what that is. And that's why the punitive, though that's not typically the case, so much higher in this instance than the compensatory. Yeah, Got it. And- Got it in the end there. Proud of myself. <laughs> And I think one thing this uh, illustrates, too, uh, similar to the Johnny Depp case, is that, you know, there is a cap on punitive damages. And in the case of something like Alex Jones, I think this is a perfect example of why those caps are ridiculous. Those caps are meant to protect the ultra rich uh, for situations like, you know, for situations like this to where they can just screw up royally, but then just have to pay a tenth of what they would normally pay. So, I mean, yeah. that could that could be a topic for a different day in terms of talking about a tort reform uh, nationwide, because, you know, like, yeah, the, it, it, people you know the whole idea because i remember when tort reform first became a big thing like they, they they the conservatives would come and try and say something along the lines of um of uh you know what about the guy who's has his own mom and pop shop that gets uh sued unnecessarily and gets sued for millions upon millions of dollars that he doesn't have which is not really how it goes you were gonna say something oh i just think it's really funny Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Here's a little number I tossed off recently in the Caribbean. Isn't it awfully nice to have a penis? Isn't it frightfully good to have a dong? It's swell to have a stiffy. It's divine to own a dick. From the tiniest little tadger to the world's biggest prick. So three cheers for your Willie or John Thomas. Hooray for your one-eyed trouser snake. Your piece of pork, your wife's best friend, your Percy or your cock. You can wrap it up in ribbons. You can slip it in your sock. But don't take it out in public or they will stick you in the dock and you won't come back. Oh, thank you very much. Oh, what a frightfully witty song. All right, now we're going to come back and pretend like we didn't just take a very brief break for a, a little slight interruption in my stepmom world. My stepson called me really quick, so I needed to see what was going on because, you know, that that exists no matter where you live. But uh, so, yes, this Alex Jones stuff is uh, it's just kind of funny, really, because there is some other hijinks that happen with the lawyer. Right. Didn't they accidentally give like way too much information? Yeah, that's the funny part here, and that was the uh, one of the videos I put it up. I put up on a TikTok, you know, um, because like I said, to a nicer guy, it couldn't happen. Um, but uh, yeah, Alex Jones' attorneys took a digital copy of the contents of his cell phone over the past couple of years, including little dates like January sixth, twenty twenty one. And it got, you know, delivered to the prosecutors and the prosecutors were able to show that Alex Jones was kind of sort of lying under oath. And most importantly, the January 6th committee now has the contents of these text messages. So this, along with the fact that there are two other cases in Connecticut um, that from other parents of Sandy Hook, uh, Connecticut also with a state that does not have a cap on punitive damages. Alex Jones is done. Oh yeah. And that takes me back. I remember what I was, that's funnying about. Um, we were talking about how, you know, they talk about all these mom and pop places, right? Oh. Like they, th- we just talked about this with the church stuff too, right? It seems to be a play 
by Team Red, far right, that we want to talk about everybody like it's the small church. We want to talk about everybody like it's a small mom and pop shop that you're going to put out of business. When we're talking about putting rules that would affect the higher income folks, uh-huh. right? So it is kind of interesting that there is – there's not kind of its own form of a scale for that, like a cap for that. You know what I mean? Like I could understand there being a cap for you know, lower income. But then again, it's how do you make that fair? Uh, so it's, it's hard, honestly. Uh, so it's like either don't have a cap at all or have some kind of weird bracket system for a cap. It, it's hard because you want to be able to punish the people who have used their money and made money by riling up people. I mean, guys, these families were being harassed. So if there's anybody that has any doubt of this, this was worthwhile to do, these families were being harassed death threats by people all because of Alex Jones and things he was saying on his show that does affect your life. That affects your ability to work. That affects your ability to feel comfortable leaving and going to the fucking grocery store. It affects your life when you're being harassed to that level. Uh, That reminds me too. I I forgot to mention that Alex Jones even got caught bad mouthing the judge, bad mouthing the jury and bad mouthing the prosecuting attorneys on his show. You know, like he would go, uh, he would go to his studio after a day of court and just, you know, unload on everybody. And then he got caught and the judge had to call him out, but he's not a bright person, you know, and, and thankfully it looks like, you know, his reign of terror is about to come to a close here, but you know, we're, you know, look at the people he associates with, look at what happened January 6th, look what's happening with Trump now, because Trump, this is the first time it's happened. A former president had the FBI raid his house with a search warrant. We are, we have, the ch- uh, we're in a very dangerous time. You know? It's an interesting time. Although I will say, I think the funniest thing that I saw from like some of the Alex Jones stuff was somebody had made a meme that says uh, Alex Jones's lawyers aren't really lawyers; they're just crisis actors. <laughs> and that was probably my favorite. Like, ha <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. The the thing is with Alex Jones, this is not like a First Amendment case. He's not a first. The, the, he's not a First Amendment warrior. You know, he hides behind the first amendment to, you know, just continue with his lies. And, you know, so on the one hand, thankfully this will hopefully soon put an end to his, his dangerous rhetoric. And, but I, I, I don't know what the future holds after this because, you know, we're, again, we're, we're looking at some scary times here. Hopefully, uh, I mean, there's some good signs too about the future. Like, take a like, take a look at what happened in Kansas. You know, I mean, that was a very surprised vote on supporting abortion rights in a deep red state. It was oh, yeah. overwhelming. Interesting times we are living in. That is for sure. Indeed, indeed. But let's talk about our main event for the day. The penny. Yeah, we actually did find that there are pros and cons for should we keep the penny or should it go the way of the farthing? Um, so we wanted to actually just go into that. We figured it'd be a little bit fun. So this should be a pretty pretty simple episode. Not a lot of emotion behind whether or not we should have the penny or not. So, uh, yeah, we pulled our pro cons. I think we should just go into it then and just start jamming about the penny. Indeed. What is the first pro and con? 
For the first pro and con, we have pro number one, preserving the penny keeps consumer prices down and avoids harming low-income households. Mark Weller, executive director of the Pro Penny Group, Americans for Common Sense, C-E-N-T-S, because puns, says, quote, the alternative to the penny is rounding to the nickel. And that's something that will negatively impact working families every time they buy a gallon of gas or a gallon of milk. The U.S. Federal Reserve found that minorities and low-income people are more likely to use cash than credit cards. Raymond Lombra, professor of economics uh, at Pennsylvania State University, um, wow, that's crazy. I just accidentally pasted something in there. Says that the extra rounding charges would exceed 600 million annually and would be quote regressive, affecting the poor and other disadvantaged people. Uh, groups disproportionately. One study found that penny rounding in Canada cost grocery store customers an estimated 3.27 million Canadian dollars, 2.5 million USD annually. It would be an adjustment initially. I mean, that that, that much is fair. I mean, going from having pennies to where you could have something be a dollar ninety nine or a dollar whatever, you know, to rounding it up would have a temporary uh, would have a temporary um, negative impact on people uh, at the start. Now, granted, I think within six months to a year, I, I think people would ultimately get used to it. Um, and, and, you know, and as we, uh, you know, we'll go on through this, I mean, it's not like people are necessarily treating pennies like valued um, material anyway, but um, that is fair. I mean, yeah. It, it, I mean, it, it, I'll at least take a pause on this one because I've joked about it before that I think we should get rid of making the pennies. So I will obviously just say like, yes, I was I'm, I'm con, right, because the cons are actually getting rid of the penny in this one, and the pros are supporting the penny. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm technically in the con side of this, right? So, but however, reading this pro, my initial reaction is to acknowledge that some of my feelings on it comes from a place of privilege. I don't pay for a lot of stuff with cash. I normally use a card. I don't keep pennies. The most value I find in a penny is finding one that is tails up, because I am a silly little energy person like that. And I love making lucky pennies because I like to think that maybe somebody would find it and it would make their day. That's mm -hmm. the most value a penny has for me in my life, but that's totally different for people of lower income. So I can kind of understand that argument. Now I would be curious how it's costing and if that could in any way be made up in programs that could then be afforded by not spending more than it's worth, because that's some of the stuff that I know we're going to get into in this likely. Well, and also being poor myself, uh, poor myself for a long, long time. Um, I, I think this idea that poor people don't use cards, uh, for instance, is not exactly true, at least in the United States. Can't speak for everybody, but, you know, stuff like if you get like food stamps and whatnot, you do get an EBT card that you're going to scan, you know, and maybe not everybody goes to a regular bank, but there are other like debit cards you can get to have your uh, money put on. I think... I, I don't know if this is in terms of this particular argument here. I don't know. I, I think poor people would be affected. I just don't know how much because, again, I don't think poor people are avoiding banks like crazy. I do think that a lot of people do have, you know, like some form of a debit card, even if it's a prepaid debit card. Like a lot of employers will offer, you know, hey, do you want your check going to your bank? Oh, yeah. I've had temp card? agencies do that where you could sign up for direct deposit or a debit because temp, it's so giggy 
that mm-hmm. it's it's really popular just to have like the debit card there instead of having to deal with the direct deposit form or whatever. Um, yeah. But yeah, it did kind of at least reading that. I like that though. Like whatever I process, like I know I'm not on that side of the argument, so I do like to take pause where I can. So that was my pause there. Is realizing some of my uh, feelings on this definitely comes from that place of privilege of I don't count pennies for anything anymore. I haven't had to do that since probably college. And that's because, you know, debit cards were still kind of becoming the booming thing. Not everybody had them yet. Most did, just not everybody. But Mm -hmm. uh, going into con number one, going still into the penny value, the penny has practically no value and should be taken out of circulation just as other coins have been in U.S. history. You can't buy anything for a penny. Vending machines and parking meters won't even accept them anymore. Harvard economist Greg Mankiw stated, quote, the purpose of the monetary system is to facilitate exchange. The penny no longer serves that purpose. When people start leaving a monetary unit at the cash register for the next customer, the unit is too small to be useful. <laughs> Former U.S. Mint director Philip Dell, I think is how you say that, said, quote, The value of a penny has shrunk to the point that if you earn more than the minimum wage, you're losing money stopping and picking up a penny on the sidewalk. (laughs) Comedian John Oliver actually noted 2% of Americans admitted to regularly throwing pennies in the garbage, which means the U.S. Mint is spending millions to make garbage. Two-thirds of the billions of pennies produced are never seen in circulation once they reach a customer via the bank, which is funny because I save lucky pennies. Um, I never use them, so I am totally guilty because when I do find a lucky penny, I keep it, Uh right? Because that's the two parts of that energy is you can flip luck for other people. But you can also keep luck for yourself. So that's my funny way of thinking about lucky pennies. So I do. I've got them. You know, I've got an altar space where I I, I try to practice meditation and stuff in the morning, and they're all there. Uh, so that's a very valid point. Like people will walk past a penny on the street now. Like it's it's oh, not yeah. picked up. Like they'll stop for anything shiny, but nobody gives a shit if it's copper. If it's silver, they'll pick it up. But if it's copper, they'll just keep walking. Nobody seems to care about them. Take a penny, leave a penny was another thing they mentioned. Oh, yeah. Like, and I hated that. When I worked in retail, I hated those because you would always have people come up that were like two or three dollars short and then just try and grab every penny they could from that thing instead of, you know, the whole idea of it. Uh, But yeah. It, yeah, I mean, th- it, this this con here makes sense. If if it costs more to make something than it's worth, why are we making it? You know, I mean, it, it, it there is it it. I mean, we're going to continue to go on with the pros and cons here, but so far there has not been a pro that I've heard, whether it be on this list or just you know when I've you know looked into this topic in the past that would make me think that this is something that we should continue to uh, make, you know? Well, maybe we'll have to see what Pro 2 Con 2 have to say. So what's Pro 2 say about why why should we keep the penny, Tim? What's the next one? All right. Pro number two, a penny can be used for decades and is more cost efficient to produce than a nickel. Most U.S. coins have an expected circulation life of 20 to 30 years, meaning a single penny could be used thousands or even millions of times. So what if it costs 1.8 cents to make? That's a bargain for how many times it gets used. Without pennies, the mint would be forced to make more five-cent pieces. Ooh, that would cost an estimated 10.9 million more annually than it would uh, cost to keep making pennies. Pennies and nickels both cost more to make 
than their face values. But on average, over the last five years, nickels have been made at a loss of $2.58 per coin compared to $0.65 per penny. The cost of making and shipping pennies includes some fixed costs that the U.S. Mint would continue to incur even if we abolish the penny because the Mint would still make other coins. Yeah, I just looked that up. It apparently costs 8.52 cents to make a nickel. And see, I did not know about that because people don't talk about the nickel as much. And to me, that's almost a fair point because that is more of an overhead. Well, I mean, but you'd have to compare it per every five pennies, right? Because you're using five pennies for one nickel. So how much overhead is it for five pennies? I guess would be the the question. If you're really going to nass ass and try to say that this is the pro here, right? Yeah. Um, I'd have to do that math really quick, and I don't think I'm going to try to ramble and do that here. But did they mention how much it was more? Yeah, it's 1.8 to make the penny. So 0.8 times three, that almost, let's just round up and say it's three cents. Well, then that's only just a little bit cheaper, just a little bit cheaper than making that nickel. Just yeah. barely. But I wonder, you know, so this argument would then be lost, though, if that continues to go up. Like if it starts to become if that tilts 0.52 of a cent, you know, a total, you know, I guess it divided by three. And I'm not going to try to divide five by three because I'm shit at math in my head. Um, but you know what I mean? Like it would have to go up that much per penny to then actually have that question of worth of, well, why don't we just make the five cent pieces? Because we're losing the same amount versus every five pennies. So in a weird way, that pro kind of makes a lot of sense to me. I did not realize the nickel also operated at a loss. Yeah. And I mean, you do need uh, a smaller denomination, I guess. I mean, it would be weird if uh, money started at a dollar or, or a quarter or something like that. And, and you know, cost is something to uh, keep in mind when, when, when you know, we're d- discussing something like this. Because, yeah, if, why would I want the government to continue to put millions upon millions of dollars into something that is losing even more? You know, and and I think this is this is conversations that we should be having. Um, But let's dive into uh, con number two here real quick. Uh, The process of making pennies is costly, both financially and environmentally. At a total per unit cost of a dollar and eighty two cents, it costs nearly two pennies to make one or one point eight two cents. Sorry. It costs nearly two pennies to make one penny. Aaron Klein, former deputy assistant secretary for economic policy at the Treasury Department estimates that the United States could see $1.78 billion in losses over the next 30 years if the penny remains in production. Making pennies also has environmental consequences from mining and transportation. Mining zinc and copper produces carbon dioxide emissions and pollutants and uses vast amounts of energy. Over the last 35 years, 107 million pounds of carbon dioxide have been emitted due to pennies being delivered from the mint to banks. A California company called Mike's Bikes has banned the penny from its registers because making pennies wastes natural resources and is toxic to people and the environment. And I'm glad it included that last part because I think one of the big reasons we use the penny is because of retail and stuff like that. And it started, I believe, due to Macy's. Um, The reason they started adding pennies into stuff is that they didn't want uh, the cashiers to easily know how much 
basically they thought with like a dollar 99 they would have to open up the register to be able to get change out whereas if it was you know like two dollars for this five dollars for that everything even it would be easier for the cashiers to scam you know which kind of sort of makes sense but you know again we're talking about something that started in 1800s you know so it's like is for the modern world is that right and what we know about climate change today as well um you know do we as a government that you know purportedly wants to deal with climate change in a good way do we want to continue to make something that people are throwing in the garbage that are throwing in you know like wishing pools or or whatever that are just that don't really cost yeah yeah, it's really it is. It's the only monetary unit that we encourage and don't even look sideways at somebody for literally throwing away. Like we are, you mentioned the the penny fountains, and I didn't even think about that. It's like, oh yeah, like you see people do it all the time. It, but if you saw somebody throw like a silver dollar in there, you'd take a pause. I would dive if you saw in somebody there. throw like <laughs> like a handful of ones, you'd be like, what is wrong with that person? So it's true. I guess my only nag with this con, this con is this is really an argument against all coins, though, because nickels also use copper. I think they all use at least some. I just looked it up really quick for the nickel, but I think they all use some amount of copper and mm-hmm. other metals. So really, it's interesting to me because this is making it sound like the penny is the only contributor to that. Um, But I really, I don't know if they would transport just pennies. I mean, I guess that could be a thing, but I would feel like other things would be transported too. So you're kind of blaming the, um, the environmental impact of all possibly on the one just for the transportation part of part of it. Anyway, I could be wrong. They could only do like, yep, that's the penny truck. Nobody's (laughs) robbing that one. Watch out for quarters though. Um, but, you know, like they all have elements of those metals in them. So this almost seems like it would be an argument for just removing coins altogether or replacing them with something else. Like, like I think it's funny. It doesn't have to be necessarily getting rid of it, right? Like they could technically start making different forms of paper that could stand and represent the coins. These are representations of money units, So, I mean, I guess it could even go to say, like, it might not even be about discontinuing the penny, but thinking about how we make our coins, because it looks like that has a greater environmental impact than we originally thought that it did. My fear would be that sometime in the future, the government would try to go towards some sort of a system to where all money is utilized via something like a debit card. Yeah. And that's why I wanted to stay away from, because I know like there's, there's that fear of a credit system, like where it's literally credit. It's not like that you apply and get credit, like a credit card, but Mm -hmm. uh, a credit unit system versus having like a monetary, like a gold standard or anything. Not that we really actually utilize that gold standard, like for what it was intended to be used for anyway, anymore. But, um, you know, it's still a thing. Um, but yeah, like I, I wouldn't necessarily want to move towards nothing that represents this, that is physically, obtainable right because you go into houseless homeless people um that those that demographic i would say a large chunk of them do not have a debit card i would just go out on a limb and say that but even then we're acting like and this is even going back to kind of an earlier the pro con for like the the people who are you know houseless homeless or poor um we're acting like there wouldn't be something that might could come in and help with that though right because i would imagine this is where possibly programs similar to wick they get a card for that 
I could see someone stepping in. I'm not sure I support that idea of, of going to fully digital currency, but I do have some faith that there would be some form of program that would help. But then you'd have the issue of, you know, they need to be able to keep track and keep hold of this one card. And my big fear too would be, um, you know, yeah, if you do, if you did go the card system to where all your money is on some form of a card that you, that you swipe, I mean, what's going to stop government people from just stating, Hey, you're in trouble. You don't have any money anymore. And then taking it all away. I mean, it's, it's, Kind of, it's kind of like the argument with, you know, buying physical media like DVDs or Blu-rays. I mean, it's like when, when you buy a movie digitally, you don't own the movie. You have, you're just paying for a license to be able to watch that movie on the streaming service that you bought it at for the amount of time that that streaming service has the ability to show that, you know, so if I bought Die Hard on Apple, on on the iTunes store, and then uh, for whatever reason, Apple no longer has uh, permission to play that movie anymore. I lose out on that. Whereas if I bought the DVD, um, I would be able to watch it whenever I want. And it would be the same thing with money because, you know, again, it's not like the government hasn't been known to make mistakes. And if they do right. go after somebody and then take, take their digital money, you know, it's not like they're going to say sorry and give it back. I mean, think about the times that you've had the cops pull somebody over, take their stuff. And then you find out that the person's innocent. It happens. Oh yeah. And then like something that I was even kind of, thinking about randomly like the other day on the bus i think was uh it's interesting because when you've got okay so what actually kind of led to this was i was reading this what turned out to be an adorable story there was a little boy who had used his allowance to open a lemonade stand he immediately gets scammed by some asshole adult who brings him a fake 100 bill and asks him for change and that little boy emptied his piggy bank to give him $85 and change. So an adult person scammed a little boy out of like $85. And then I thought it was really sweet because the police department actually started to go fund me. And now that little boy has like $9,000 and growing. So don't worry. He's doing great. He's going to open all of the lemonade stands up the coast, but it was in Washington that that happened. But I don't know why, but that made me think about like, that's interesting with money though, is that, in that situation, I mean, he probably went to go take that hundred into the bank. And oh my God, I, if I had been there, I probably would have died. Because I bet that little boy probably started crying, you know, dealing with emotions as children do. But like, it's interesting to me that it doesn't get caught all the time, right? Like if you lose money and it's just cash, it's gone. Like if your wallet is gone and all of the cash is gone, it's like, well, you shouldn't have lost your wallet. But meanwhile, if your debit cards and stuff are taken, there's actually actions you can take to get that money back. Mm -hmm. So it's a weird trade-off, right, this idea of digital currency, because you would have that ability with all of your currency then of being able to track it, possibly get it back if it's stolen, misplaced, or like, you know, whereas we don't have that with cash. But at the same time, there is that flip side that you brought up that you have it, you own it, it is yours, as long as it's real. Uh, <laughs> you know, in the case Indeed. of that little boy, he got he got lucky. He, you know, because he took that in the way he did to the bank and they were able to help him. And with it being a hundred dollar bill, it it warranted, you know, looking into it and the, the police, you know, getting involved that this guy was doing this in the area. So they also just wanted to make sure he didn't scam any more kids, I guess. But but yeah, there is that kind of interesting of money and whether or not you would own it for real. I mean, most people do put it in the bank. So that is, is totally a thing, right? You can have your assets seized. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's at the beginning. Look at Schitt's Creek. That's what happened to them at the beginning of Schitt's Creek. There was stuff that went down. Their accountant did it. It didn't even have anything to do with what they did. But that is a real situation that can lead to all of your bank accounts being shut out. It's your money until it's not anymore. So I completely can align with that fear, um, the hesitancy rather of of encouraging that kind of like digital currency system, fully digital. Oh yeah, and and yeah, to your point, um, yeah, there, there it's pro and con for a reason. I mean, having a digital currency would definitely have some tremendous advantages. You know, it it's just like with anything. I think you have to look at you know the the advantages as well as the disadvantages, and if the disadvantages just are are too bad, then do we go that route? And and to me, I think, you know, um, but I, I wouldn't have a problem if the penny went away. But I, I, I think at this point, I, I would have an issue with all money going away. Not that we're oh, there yeah. yet, but, no. you know. And we very well could naturally move there. That could happen. But I don't think we're anywhere near uh, even the trust between the typical American and the government to even come close to trusting like a fully digital system, which is hilarious because we trust their cash system and that's theirs too. Um, that new series where Adam, uh, that's actually, what was it? It was being like produced or whatever by Obama. The G word. Yeah. The G word. He actually talked about like where we trust the government and don't. There's a good episode where he's like, but we trust them all the time with this, but not yeah. with other things, you know? Um, but anyway, Going on to pro-con number three, our final set of Mm pro-cons. And this one's kind of chuckle-worthy to me um, for keeping the penny. Uh, (laughs) The existence of pennies helps raise a lot of money for charities. Organizations such as the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, the Salvation Army, and the Ronald McDonald House ask people to donate pennies to raise funds. In 2009, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society announced that school children had collected over 15 billion pennies in support of its charitable work. That's $150 million for blood cancer research and treatment. Dagmar Sirota, who created a nonprofit called Good Sense for Oakland, said, I know, they love the pens here. Or the puns, I mean. (laughs) The pens, the puns, the penny puns, pun pennies. Uh, He said, pennies are, quote, easy to ask for and they're easy to give. And it's very easy for a child to say, will you help me support this nonprofit? Will you give me your pennies? Elementary school students in Los Angeles, California, gained significant leadership and civic engagement experience from USC's Penny Harvest Program by choosing to donate the money they can raise. Common Sense, a nonprofit in Dallas, Texas... (laughs) (laughs) has run a, quote, pennies from the heart program for 20 years. And the student-led effort has, student-led efforts have raised over 850,000 for local charities. The Miss Cheap Penny Drive for Second Harvest in Tennessee raised enough to pay for 316,039 meals for the hungry in 2017. And so those are fair points. That even goes back to one of the other, um, the cons was that people throw it away so this is almost like the flip side of that con is because people see it as so easy to throw away they'll give it to anything which also does kind of make me chuckle because it's like but don't these charities deserve more than your trash like if if, (laughs) like i think it would be great if we could see more people open up that even goes into some of the tax talk that we've had right because you could donate a significant amount so what's funny is those people aren't getting the tax relief 
from donating what they're donating because pennies are just, it's trash. They're not going to claim trash, so they just throw it away. Meanwhile, they could actually make significant donations and be able to write it off on taxes. I do think it's interesting. Um, it almost makes me want to look into, there's a similar program that the Ronald McDonald House does that is actually a soda tab collection that children can also do. Um, you can even sometimes get involved in recycling centers because just those tabs is like, it, it's not, it doesn't have a wax coating. It's actually some of the most pure aluminum in our aluminum cans. So you can actually donate those and then they, they recycle them. So the Ronald McDonald House also accepts those. So I do see like another form that this could take if we did decide to get rid of the penny. Um, plus, you'd probably have years of just collecting dead pennies effort because it's still worth copper. It would still be worth something. So you would have time to transition away from this. And I'm not saying that I'm necessarily saying like, yes, get rid of the penny tomorrow. And this is a bullshit reason. I'm just saying there are ways that I think they could transition to other forms of this um, without keeping something that might be doing more damage than the good it does at these charities. Yeah. I mean, arguing that people are able to find something positive from this isn't necessarily an argument to keep it because again, you know, it, if, if the benefits are small compared to the negatives of actually making the penny in the first place, I, I don't know if they balance out. And, and that, to be clear, I am all for these charities being supported, um, oh, except yes. for their goofy names, not saying that. But, uh, oh, I, I have learned the penny lovers love the puns. But even just looking at the dollars, okay, they raised 850000 for 20 years. Like that's over 20 years. We lose more than that worth in a year. Like we lose that with the pennies. So to me, if you're going to bring up financials, it's got to be significant gains to make up for millions in loss because that goes back into it's not just saying, well, we're losing money. We're losing taxpayer dollars that could go to something else. And that's why these conversations are important to have. It's not really like, I just don't feel like dealing with the penny anymore. It's We should talk about these because if we can get rid of it and save that taxpayer money, because um, I don't think we're going to actually have to make – because if people are throwing away pennies, they're not using that. I'm not sure we actually need to uptick the nickel like for every five pennies we're not making. Right. Mm -hmm. So if there's any potential at saving the tax burden on this, that's stuff that can go towards shit we actually care about. Right. That's stuff that can go towards some of these charities. That's stuff that can go towards stuff like infrastructure and filling potholes. That's stuff that can go towards like some of the gas tax stuff that's been a conversation um, with all the gas prices hiking. Like it's just a point of does it make sense to stop so that we can put this somewhere else? And as much as I really do care for charities, I think there's another way around this. Um, that would still allow children to be able to do their cool. They can go and get things, right? Because you can even put the word out and put out flyers to start collecting your your pop cans, your pop tabs, because the kids are going to be coming next week or the kids are going to be coming next month to get your pop tabs. Like they used to do that with uh, before everybody just started taking things to Goodwill. You used to have like the flyers that would go out that kids were going to come take stuff to go donate to the shelters. And yep. so you would have that stuff out. It was something that I think Girl Scouts even did for a little bit, if not also traditional scouts. So I don't know. I'm, I'm just, I guess I'm saying this one is almost a little bit moot to me. Like it's sweet and it's good to know that we're fine with giving our garbage to charities, 
But I don't know if that's a good enough reason to keep making the garbage that people are willing to throw away anywhere, including fountains and charities. And what these kids can't collect nickels. I mean, it's they you can't pretend that, you know, all charity would somehow stop if we got rid of the penny. I think people would ultimately adjust and find, you know, to your point, different ways to support these charities, whether it's nickels, dimes or, you know, you know, tops off of uh, soda cans. I mean, it's people like to support charities and they will still find a way to do it. So I think, you know, oh, keeping yeah. the penny around is not, is not a valid argument. You know, it's not a good enough reason to keep the penny and they'll find some quirky, fun way for kids to have, you know, that, that behavior, that, that ability to be involved in their community to that level. So the final con con number three, Eliminating pennies would save time at the point of purchase without hurting customers or businesses financially, which is interesting because this conflicts an earlier pro. Um, But anywho, the use of pennies in paying for goods and making change adds times to sales transactions. A study by Walgreens and the National Association of Convenience Stores found that pennies add 2 to 2.5 seconds to each cash transaction. As a result of that extra time per transaction, the average citizen wastes 730 seconds a year, that's 12 minutes, paying with pennies. I love that people do these studies. Oh, my God, they're nerdier than I ever could be uh, continuing. Harvard economist Greg Mancuse, that's him again, says that this wasted time costs the U.S. economy around $1 billion annually. So, see, even compared to the last one, $1 billion annually versus making $850,000 over 20 years. <laughs> um, an, estimate, an estimate from citizens to retire um, the penny says that the 107 billion cash transactions in the United States annually add up to 120 million hours of time between customers and employees at a cost of $2 billion to the U.S. economy. So it's really kind of funny because it costs more than just making the penny. Like, right, we already knew of the overhead and it mm-hmm. costs by costing time, too. And those things do add up. We don't like to think about it, right? Like, even I was kind of giggling, like, oh, 12 minutes a year, whatever will I do with that lost time? But I do forget that that equals a monetary value in our country. So the last little snippet on this just says, rounding transactions to the nearest nickel instead of using pennies wouldn't harm consumers or stores. Robert M. Wapples, that's an amazing name. Wapples, (laughs) (laughs) professor of economics at Wake Forest University, crunched the numbers and found that, quote, the convenience stores and customers basically broke even. Which, yeah, like, I guess um, what I would want to do is because I feel like this really conflicts with some studies in an earlier con. If I might in my spare time, because I'm that curious person, I want to look into this. That almost makes me uh, remiss for not getting the chance to go over this a little beforehand because I would have loved to have looked at those impact studies. Be like, okay, so why are these people saying it hurts uh-huh. the poor? Um, and why are these people saying it's not going to affect? Because their customer base is going to be part of the poor demographic, the lower income. So, and minorities, right? It was low income minorities. It was what they, I think, was up in the front. Low income and minority people are more likely to use the penny. But this is saying that's not going to hurt anybody. So which one is right? Is it going to hurt them? Or is this just saying that they actually looked at it in a terms of, oh, no, people would adjust? 
So I would be curious to to go in again. This is the ProCon article, and they do a really good job of like their references. And I see like a little study referenced on this one. So if that's also something that's 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 all I'm chewing on in my head right now, I think I'm undecided because I want to know what that means. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and we can always bring that up uh, at the start of the show next week as well uh, before we dive into what we talk about. But, you know, it's, uh, you know, 2.5 seconds for a transaction, I guess, you know, like the, over the long term. Yeah, if they can save that, I you know, it would make the the employee customer experience uh, go a little better. And also, too, with modern technology, what it is. I mean, I brought up the Macy's incident, you know, where where they instituted adding pennies to the cost of stuff so that the cashiers wouldn't be able to scam, uh, you know, scam and, you know, steal money from the register. I mean, with with electronics being what they are today, it's a lot easier to keep track of the money coming in and out. So, um, you know, it, it would make the experience better and, you know, not having the penny. I, I think it would be an adjustment, uh, but I, I think it's something that like anything, I mean, I think we're a resilient people, you know, I mean, we've adjusted oh, yeah. to a lot over the years and, and have ended up just fine. So, you know, using scare tactics to, keep a form of currency that's costing us more to make than it, it than it's actually worth you know it's I, I think people should take the time to really think about whether it's something that we should you know and we're at the end here do you think we should keep the penny oh my gosh i think that's what i was saying is i i guess instead of my yeah get rid of it um i kind of want to look into that impact then like to see mm-hmm. what they're talking about because yes if Robert Wapples is correct, and it's Wapples. (laughs) We're ridiculous. Anyway, um, food names and funny names, guys. I'm sorry. We're just gonna we're gonna giggle. Um, But if if his findings are correct, Mm -hmm. and that stores and customers basically break even, because even saying something like basically sometimes in these means that there are outliers where they where they didn't, and he could be talking about the poor demographic there. So I would be curious to look into that a little bit more. The last thing I want to do is punish poor people because they don't get a lot of help. Uh Um, They mostly just get blamed for being poor. Like, well, if you don't want to be poor, you should da, 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 and da, da, da. And that comes that, that there's that just statement, right? If you're telling somebody they should just do something, it's probably coming from a place of privilege. It's one of my little life beliefs. Um, Watch your just statements. But yeah, I would be really curious. So I think in a weird way, I went from being somebody who supported abolishing the penny to now maybe coming back a little and wanting to understand that piece a little bit more before we get rid of it. But I think overall, we could move to getting rid of the penny. It just might require a little bit of some triage and maybe some help with lower income minority households that it would affect because if it's basically not affecting most people, I would still want to care about the people that it is and make sure that they adjust. There's no need to make somebody even worse off because of trying to do something better for our society as a whole. Because again, in my head, these are tax dollars that hopefully would get to go to other shit if we decide that it's a big enough waste and we don't want to make it anymore. Yeah. I mean, I'm with you. I mean, I don't... Let me look at the times the government has made rash decisions, you know, like Biden, Afghanistan, anybody, Um, you know, we don't want 
we don't want the government making rash decisions over something that could, uh, you know, potentially affect the poor people in this country in a, in a pretty severe way financially. You know, I, I think, you know, th- we do need to look into this. Like, if the penny went away, would I shed a tear? Probably not. You know, but... Um, but yeah, I, I think it would not be wise to just, you know, one day turn on the TV and then find out, Hey, the penny's gone. You yeah, know. And, and by the way, it would probably also be talked about for a bit. But what's funny is that's when Americans are going to start hoarding the fucking penny. Like it's going out of style literally, um, because they'll probably think it's going to be worth something. It's like, no, you can probably just get your copper. Like, I, I don't think pennies are going to be magically worth like a bunch more just because they got shit canned. Like, <laughs> Oh, reminds me of people in the 90s that thought, like, comic books would put their kids to college. <laughs> you know? Oh, my God. Yeah. My mother, it was the the Beanie Babies, the T.Y. Oh, oh yeah. Fucking Beanie Babies. Well, that's the, the, all I'm, about keeping those. <laughs> I mean, like, the thing with the comic books, too, is, like, like the death of Superman, for instance, um, one of the most popular comics uh, ever bought but you know it's they printed so many that I could go into a comic book shop right now and probably for under 20 bucks find the issue where Superman dies and people at the time thought I'm gonna buy this I'm gonna put my kids through college I'm gonna buy a house I mean people were thinking this stuff um, because of the marketing job that the comic book uh, shops did but they but the comic companies did, but again, they printed so much that it was, it made it essentially worthless. Oh yeah, basically. So I think that's, I'm pretty sure that's where I'm at with it is I'd want to understand a little bit more, but I do think I still kind of agree overall that we should just go ahead and move towards getting rid of it. Uh Um, But yeah, I do want to make sure that we factor in, um, I, I do think it would be kind of funny. Uh, dead penny collection days would be cool because we probably would be right. Like we would probably be collecting all the dead pennies to go turn them in because they can still use that copper. Right. If we turn in dead pennies, that makes actually production of other coins cheaper for a little bit. So that would be something to think about, too. Like, yeah, what what is the procedure for coins that a government suddenly decides hey it's not a valid currency anymore i mean is it just garbage and and also too what ways would we help encourage the population to properly dispose of them if we sit suddenly say the penny's gone because like most people and i gotta put my hand up probably aren't going to be scouring their house for each and every penny to you know to to make sure it gets put in its into its proper place they're probably just again going to take it eh, five cents and a penny's trash yeah i mean i would be sad if the penny went away because my whole lucky penny energy thing would not be a hobby of mine anymore but you know maybe i'll just do it with nickels i'll just uh, move it up lucky nickel <laughs> Well, to me, I mean, I, I would just imagine like being like a like an old person from like the old west, you know, like here's a plug nickel or something like that. I don't remember. But you I know what? If, if they did decide to get rid of the penny, though, I genuinely hope that they would give people the monetary value of the weight of the metals, because that way, all of the the poor people who have their big old jar of pennies might mm-hmm. actually get more worth than the one cent per penny. You know what I mean? So people who you know, most Americans don't have a lot of pennies in their home, but those Americans do. And that would actually allow them to get some compensation for something for the value it's actually worth, rather than making them trade it for less than what that material is actually worth, which is an interesting way to think about it now that I've put it that way. 
Well, there's also something that, uh, you know, I just thought of and it's something that would, they would probably do. I mean, I, I, it's not, yeah, I mean, I don't think the government would just say today the penny is no more. What they would probably do is say, Hey, five years from now, the penny will go away. You have five years to collect all your pennies and exchange them for, for whatever until that point. I mean, that I could see being, you know, uh, being a good idea. And you know, yeah, I mean, just like you have five years to get rid of all your pennies and then they're gone. Right. I just don't want them to be like, yep, every five pennies will trade you in for a nickel. <laughs> because I just I feel like I'd be curious what the copper and metal worth would be like if the copper and metal worth actually comes out less than a cent, then by all means, let them trade up for nickels. But uh, I don't know. I, I think I would suspect that this could be an opportunity to actually give some people a little bit of money for the worth of the metal. Um, so they would actually get a benefit from removing the penny instead of it all looking like it would only be bad for them for removing the penny. Granted, it's only a one time benefit, right? Because you'd be getting rid of all of your pennies. But you would still kind of get a little bit of a bump to help adjust with that adjustment period of needing to go up to the nickel. But it's it's an interesting topic for sure. I'd be curious to see if this ever actually does get brought up. I mean, it's popular enough to talk about that it's on the Procon.org. So it makes me think that it is a popular talking point. Mm-hmm. So maybe it will come up someday. I mean, I don't think I'm going to be like, you know, reject the sense. Um, I don't know. I, I can't think of a punny name for <laughs> say no to pennies. Yeah, I yeah. I'll, I'll think of something like at three o'clock in the morning, and then you know, edit it in later. I don't know. <laughs> Penny plungers. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, this was uh, an interesting topic this week. So thank you for bringing that here for us to talk about. Yeah, and once again, just to go ahead and shout it out there, you can head over to the Friends Talking Nerdy Network and leave us a voicemail. Um, If we do pick your voicemail, your topic, we will play it at the front of the show. Not my stepson adorably making fart noises by sticking a straw under his armpit. That was a great life hack. (laughs) (laughs) My little dude. Hey, my little dude is a little dude, man. He will just do little dude things and just send us a video of him doing little dude things. But, uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, so feel free, give us a direction and you can even like go on procon.org and see what topics are on there. But I guarantee if you tell us one and it is on there, it's an easy one for us to do. If it's not on there, it doesn't put it outside of the realm of researching it and doing it ourselves. But I, I do kind of like sticking to the procons cause it makes me look at things that I write confirmation bias works that way. Like you, you have to fight to research the opposite opinion. And that's what I've really enjoyed about these is I'm not having to fight that part of my brain. I can just take in vetted information and allow myself to just respond to it. Like that first one where I realized there's a little bit of privilege from my point of view. Yeah, because I mean, even with something like the penny, what you find that when you do take the time to look at, you know, both sides of the issue is that there's no clear cut, easy answer that's going to help everybody. You know, decisions like this that affect an entire country of people take time. It takes effort to study what the impact would be. And yeah, I mean, like at the moment, if, if the government has decided, if the government has actually looked at this and, and, and decided that it would, that they're willing to suffer the losses of the penny because it would negatively impact a portion of the society for too long a time, then 
that's a good decision, even though we're still losing money on the penny, you know, and it's something that I wouldn't necessarily have thought of if I didn't take the time to go through with this pro and con here. So, you know, once again, I am really enjoying taking the time to go through and, and, and study these because yeah, like I, I, you know, and I've done it plenty of times on a show. Like I'm, I'm a reactionary type at times on stuff like this. So yeah, I am the type of person that in the past that has said, you know, why aren't people doing it my way? It would help everybody when, no, that's not how life works. You do need to take the time because like I, for one, can't think of all possible outcomes of what removing a penny would be. Right. And but I can kind of see that if some situation happened that resulted in abruptly more houselessness and homelessness, that does affect our society. Like mm-hmm. just because you have your rent paid and you have your car and you have your home that you think it doesn't affect you, but it does. It affects even like the price of groceries. Like it, it affects things when your homeless demographic goes up in your area. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Portland, Oregon, anybody? Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. What's interesting is we are seeing more houselessness here in Maine, too. Mm. And that's largely because of the pandemic, right? Um, so you're just going to have to see how that pans out in different places. <laughs> Indeed. Now, before we wrap up, talk about Fairlandia one more time. One more time, guys. So, yes, once again, super excited. We are live and casting slash hiring because we pay. Um, if there's any question there, we do pay per hour. Um, but, yeah, we will include the form for the application that I made because I'm proud that I made a thing. And then, of course, you can always go over to Fearlandia.com. I'm going to see if I can get uh, the owner to actually put the application on there as well. Since it's a Google, Google form, we should be able to fit it into the form or into the page. But you can also send a message. So for some reason, that link isn't working for you. Go to fearlandia.com and you can put in your name, email, message, submit, and that will get to me. And then I'll sync up whatever's going on. Gotcha. And we'll uh, also be promoting this on all of our uh, social media uh, sites as well. You can find us. um, You can find us most of the time in our fans of Friends Talking Nerdy group on Facebook. Exactly. That is where we will be. Indeed. So, uh, yeah, again, we will promote that. And you can find us, uh, like, you can find me on TikTok having some fun, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and who knows, maybe I'll, I'll be up there responding to Amber Heard. Not the famous one, just the, yeah. the toxic one. Yeah. Well, it, both of them might be a little toxic, but. <laughs> well, it, just as long as Amber number two is not leaving number twos anywhere, you know. <laughs> well, not yet, you know. she have to find her next awful way to treat her ex to make her viral yeah yeah anyway um well i think that will wrap it up for us then this week we thank you all for listening to another episode of friends talking nerdy remember each saturday in this podcast space we will have something to entertain your ear holes until we meet again we bid you adieu don't forget to use your common sense Ah. wobbles Okay. Subscribe to Friends Talking Nerdy on iTunes, the Google Play Music Store, as well as Spotify. Remember to support Friends Talking Nerdy on Patreon. Goodbye, darling. <laughs>